Welcome in everybody to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And for some of you, it might still be a holiday version of All Access. You may be uh, out and about after Easter, after Good Friday. I know a lot of you had a day off on Friday while Mark and I did the show. Maybe some of you are off today as well. I know my son was off of school, but my daughter was in school. So for some of you, um, for all of you, happy holidays. Hopefully you enjoyed the weekend and had a good one. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans. And we're going to kick off the show here and hear from Brandon Whedon in just a little bit. Brandon was here late last week after signing his contract to come back to the Texans. Had a good time talking to Brandon, so we'll have that for you. DP Sinu is going to also stop by. We're going to, I didn't know really what to call it, but it's kind of a game of superlatives in some sense. Most likely succeed in 2018, class clown in 2018. No, you know what I'm talking about when you get the yearbook. And I always got most likely to succeed, which I call a curse. Because whenever you get most likely to succeed, it's just there's such lofty standards that you have to live up to. And, and yeah, well, I got that every single year from sixth grade on because I think I was the smartest kid in my school, which shows you something about my school. Uh, But either way. I always got most likely to succeed. So who's going to be most likely to succeed in 2018 for the Texans? Who's going to be the biggest surprise to succeed in 2018? So DP will stop by, and we'll toss those back and forth. And, then of course, you know i got to ask her about road games. Which road game are you looking forward to the most in 2018? I've got one because it's a place we don't go often. There are a couple stadiums I haven't been to in the league. Uh, I think in the AFC, I haven't been to the Chargers. I haven't been to the Chiefs. But the NFC, there are a few. Philadelphia is one I'm really looking forward to. But I like going back to New York. I haven't been back to New York since 2014. So there's always something about going to New York City. And I know you we play in Jersey. You don't play in New York City. Well, that would be kind of fun. But you get the point. We're going to New York City. Last time we went on Friday, so we had all day Saturday to go do our thing in New York City. I don't know if it'll be that way this year, but We've only got one West Coast, and that's not even a West Coast game. It's on Denver. Everything's East Coast this year. Philly, Washington, Boston, New York, and then our three division games. Jacksonville, I think we only, we have Denver, and that that's the only one that's left of us, west of us. Everything else is east of us, and most of it's on East, uh, on east Coast time. But either way. Looking forward to a lot of trips this year. And then what home game are you looking forward to the most? I know what a lot of you are going to say. It's probably the one DP is going to say. Probably the one I'm going to say. Yeah, the Cowboys. But I'll ask her about that. We'll do that in our next segment. But it's time to catch up with newest Texan, Brandon Whedon. In the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, John Harris alongside the newest Texan. Just got his contract signed. He's all signed, sealed, and delivered. Brandon Whedon. How's that feel, Brandon? Feels good. You know, there's last couple of days, there's a lot of anticipation that kind of goes into it. You know, yeah. uh, Obviously, you want to sign on the dotted line, and and um, so flew down this morning, knocked all my physical stuff out, and put a little pen to paper, and and uh, knocked it out. What's it like being back in the building? And being back in the building is the key because you obviously here before, gone last year, but then back now. What does it feel like to be back in this building? You know, it feels like home. You yeah. know, and that was kind of one of the intriguing parts about coming back here is you know I don't have to start over. You right, know, a lot right. of a lot of faces I recognize, and uh, you know I know a lot of people in the building. I know there's been some changes, but uh, just you know, just to see everybody that you know I was with not very long ago, you yeah. Know, back in the back last last August, uh, you know, it just makes it makes the transition really easy. And I'm excited about it, man. There's a bunch of really good people in this this building, and uh, I'm ready to get to work. And to that end, for you, t- take me through the free agent process. I would imagine like 
where am I going next? How tough a process is that? And then at the end of it, it's I'm going back to Houston, a place that I know pretty well. How did that kind of go over with the family and all that kind of stuff? But take me through the process itself and then obviously signing. And what was the feeling around the family about doing that? Yeah, you know, I mean, it is stressful because you don't know. I mean, yeah. it, it's more the uncertainty than, you know, than anything. I think, uh, you know, my wife was, you know, probably more anxious than I was. And we've got two young kids. So she's like, you know, she's thinking about the stuff other than football, you know. So yeah. uh, for her, it was obviously, uh, you know, probably a little bit more stressful even for me. I just, you know, I just let kind of the chips fall where they may. You know, there's a couple teams were involved. And, you know, you go through the whole negotiations part and you kind of see what the needs were. And I told my agent, I said, man, I tell you, I'd, I'd love to be back in Houston for several reasons, but I mean, there's a bunch of really good guys in this locker room, uh, great coaching staff, uh, and a really good football team. And I was just talking to to Brian Gain. I said, you know, as, as a backup quarterback, that's what you want. You know, if you're thrown in there and you're under the fire, if not playing for you know however long it may be, you want good players around you. And I think uh, that was what was really intriguing about coming back here because it's a really good football team. So, um, you know, like I said, it can be stressful. You know, especially just the uncertainty. You know, am I going to play another year? Am I going to have to wait till after the draft. You just don't know when everything's going to kind of, kind of get finalized. But once it got finalized, I was uh, obviously very excited to be back here and and uh, you know looking forward to this upcoming year. Brandon, you I know in in my heart, Mark Vandermeer's heart, because of you stepping in in that game against Indianapolis in 2015 in particular, and the 90 yard drive. We we still talk about that. I mean, we talk about oh my goodness, how is this going to happen? And then you lead him down on a 90 yard drive like it was nothing. And, and I think the most impressive thing to me was. You'd only been here for a short amount of time, but there were no bumps in the road. There were no uh, illegal formation penalties. You got everybody in the right spot and took it on down the field. And that was such a really cool moment. But that was stepping into a situation, as, a, as you mentioned, as a backup quarterback. What's the mentality have to be as a backup quarterback as opposed to being the starter or going in knowing that you're the guy? We know Deshaun's the guy, but what's that mentality got to be for you to be the backup to – be ready to come into a situation perhaps like you did in 2015. Yeah, you know, I mean, especially then. I mean, I was – I don't want to be here, like I said, a short amount of time. I was – I spent so much time. My wife wasn't here. I was by myself, I mean, up until 2 o'clock in the morning some nights just really learning this language, just this offense, because I had never played in this system before. And yeah. So it was so uh, it was so unique to me. So I, I it kind of took the anxiety out of it because I, I knew there was, you know, whatever, 15 pass plays I really, really liked. There were some runs I was comfortable with as far as Mike points. And then, you know, uh, Gotti just called those plays, and you know the guys around him made plays, and it was just it was it was kind of effortless. I mean, it was yeah. kind of really honestly just fell into place, um, you know. So I, I think it, it really all goes to uh, you know the preparation throughout the week. I think you have to prepare like you're going to play, um, you know, hoping you you don't. I mean, ultimately we want Deshaun out there and we want him healthy, um, but you know, I mean, I think for me, what I'll do, whatever Deshaun wants. Some some quarterbacks want you know a backup quarterback maybe to get a day ahead. Right, you know, watch third downs if we're going to do them on Thursday or or red zone and kind of get a feel for what the other team's doing. Um, so if that's you know what he feels comfortable with and that's what he wants me to do, that's what I'll do. So um, I'm just going to do it like I've all, I've kind of always done it, just prepare. Um, obviously, you don't get the reps, but mentally you gotta you gotta stay sharp because man, it's uh, you know if your number's called, you know those other 52 guys are counting on you. Different team than you were even even last year. Obviously, Deshaun stepped in for the six and a half games that he was in, then got injured. But a lot of different changes, but the additions, Aaron Colvin, Tyron Matthews, some of the guys coming in, the offensive linemen coming in. What do you see in this squad now? Now, obviously, it hasn't all been put together. It's all on paper. What do you see with what they've been able to do over the last few weeks to bolster this team going to 2018? You know, they, 
we got to be excited about it. I mean, uh, you know, I think I've played against Tyron Matthew for you know a couple of games, and he's like, he got, got a pick. I thought I thought about it on the flight today. I was like, maybe I threw an out route to Witten, and he just undercut. It. He <laughs> basically ran the route for Witten, and yeah. uh, you know, so uh, great player. Obviously, very instinctive, just just an all around great player. And Aaron Colvin as well played him, played against him at OU, and then obviously when he was in Jacksonville. So um, yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of really good pieces in place. You know, the 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 players are there now. It's all about going out and getting it done. You know, as a team, you got to stay healthy. You got to do all those things. But um, yeah, I think I, I think uh, you know we've we've got a chance to be a really good football team. You know, we got to go out and put the work in and do all the things we need to do. But um, you know, the additions they've made, uh, in my opinion, have been have been great ones. Do you have scoreboard over Colvin? I think in 2011 you we got did. Him. I know that we got him in 11. <laughs> yeah, it was like 44 to 10, <laughs> and we were playing. We were playing pissed off. We had just lost to Iowa State, and uh, that's pretty right. Much lost our entire season. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Personally, team wise, we just yeah. So we came in and uh, we knew the only chance we had to go play in the national championship was to get them. So we 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 laid it on them pretty good. Now, obviously, there are two quarterbacks coming out of those two schools: Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph. Two young guys coming out. You've gone through that process. You did it a little bit later in your life than they're going through it. What would be your advice to to young quarterbacks, even to Deshaun? What's your advice to them so that those guys step into the NFL and end up having a long? prosperous career i mean you've been around this game for a while what would be your your advice to those young guys that are learning the game now and want to stick around this for a while you know i think there's a couple things one i think really establish a routine you know especially as a quarterback i mean whether it be what time you show up in the building to what you know your breakfast i mean just establish a routine that works you know it's going to take a while for those guys to figure out what that is but i think just you know find out what works for them um you know and then whenever they get to wherever they're going um you'll be a sponge you know if you got a veteran quarterback in the room with you be a sponge. Ask questions. I mean, that's that's the thing about it now is, like, you know, if you're a young quarterback, you're not asking questions. If you don't know what a coach is saying, I mean, you're nuts. Because if you, if you don't know what it is on Sunday, you're going to get exposed. Yeah. And so I would say just, you know, um, this is just our job now. You know, we're not, we're not going to, you know, not going to clash and not doing all those things. This is this is your job, you know, to you know, take it like that. Show up early and, and stay late like the old, you know, cliche is. But uh, I would say, yes, establish a routine, be a sponge, um, and just, just enjoy the enjoy the moment. You know, go out and – each week's a new week in the NFL. I mean, I, you got to get to remember that. If you win one week, all is great. You lose, <laughs> it sucks. You know, so you, you know, just take it, take it one week at a time, and and uh, enjoy every minute of it. Excited about going back to Greenbrier? You know, I am. I, we were just talking about that. I, I love that place. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you get out of the heat here. Yeah, but, of course. Um, yeah, I thought it was a cool place. I, I enjoyed it up there. We always talked about after you know people, the fans want to know, well, why are they going to West Virginia? Like, what's the whole thing? And I used to say, well, it's two things. Number one is temperature. And then togetherness. Yeah. The temperature was pretty obvious. But from a camaraderie standpoint, did you sense that being around the guys that you got? And obviously we had Hurricane Harvey going on at the at the tail end of it, which right. completely changed everything. But did you feel that being up there together got you guys closer as a ball club? Did you I, feel that? No question. I think there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's not a whole lot to do up there right. outside of, you know, what we're, you know, there. I mean, there's, you know, if you're on off days, go play golf or yeah. go shoot clays or whatever. But or if you're with Leckler, you're fishing. Well, he fished. Yeah, he fished every day. That guy didn't. He got the best job in the NFL. But um, yeah, he, you know, I I thought it did. I mean, I think guys, you know, that maybe don't hang out together or visit very much. I mean, you know, during our downtime, we're all right there. There's really nowhere to go. So I think you know, you're not forced to, but I think yeah. it, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, you know, we were up there for a long time, so it's, it was good. To, it was good to. I mean, I I met got with guys that you know maybe they didn't make the team, but you know, guys that uh, you know are great guys that I may not have had the chance to if we're if we're here. You know, so. Um, yeah, it was a cool experience. I'd never really gone off like that. We went to Oxnard when I was in Dallas. Um, 
but it was even even that setup was a little bit different than, yeah. than it was up in Greenbrier. So, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I know baseball's run through your veins at some point in your life. Opening day coming up. You have a team. Are you excited about a particular team? And how about the Astros after the championship? Man, I've, I obviously huge Astros fan after watching what they did last year. That yeah. was that was pretty impressive. Uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, man. I don't follow baseball near like I used nah, to. That's okay. You know, that's I, okay. Well, I'm I played, the same I, way. I played for five years, and I, I watched 140 games a year, man. I've, I've <laughs> that's seen, enough. I've seen plenty of baseball, but you <laughs> that's know, when you know World Series and playoffs, I'll I'll watch. But opening day, I'll watch some games tonight. For sure. I, I always wonder about this. Rockets are doing well, uh, and we'll see what they do as number one seed in the West. The Astros won a championship. How much does that? I don't want to say motivated team, but how much do you guys pay attention to what's going on to the teams in the city and go, "Oh, wait a second. These teams are playing at a pretty high level. We got to get our game up to their level." Does that does that ever happen for professional athletes looking at the other teams in the city and maybe getting motivation from what they're doing? Absolutely. Well, because you, you see the buzz throughout the town, yeah. you know, and you want to be a part of that. You know, yeah. you want them to say, "Man, I was filming the Astros did it. You know, the Rockets were making a heck of a run." It's going to be the buzz. I mean, the buzz is what a player wants. Yeah, that's just, you know the. The fun, the you know, when you go around town, that's what everybody's talking about. You know, that's that's fun. You know, yeah. and to have three teams that are have a chance to be pretty elite, um, yeah, you want to be on one of those three. And for us, I mean, we got to we got to hold our own. You know, obviously, but uh, those other two teams have obviously, you know, the Rockets aren't done yet, but they've they've got a pretty pretty special team there. So, uh, yeah, you want to hold up your end of the bargain. I mean, you want to um, you know be the team that kind of um, is, is part of what they're doing. Good to have Brandon Whedon back in the building. Well, he'll get back here on April 16th with everybody else, but the man is back on the roster. All right, we get back. It's time for 2018 Superlatives. Yes, we're into April. Your books are coming. We'll do that next with DP City right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Monday edition of Texans All Access, a day after Easter edition. Happy holidays to all of you. Hopefully you had a great weekend. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Joining me right now is my good friend, DP Sitter. DP. Hello, how are you? Hey, Johnny. Happy belated birthday to you. Well, thank you. you very much. I am John Weeks old. <laughs> I am John Weeks old. I like old. that. Yeah. I like that. That's how I, that's how, now, who wears 47? I don't know who wears 47, so I'll have to figure that out. Keenan Gilchrist, I think, does. So I'll have to worry about that for next year. But, yeah, I turned 46 over the weekend, and Anything now special? it's on April. Anything special? No, we, well, yeah, I mean, it was a fun day. Went and saw a movie with my daughter on Saturday, and then... We went to one of my favorite restaurants um, in the Houston area, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the air, so I, I won't. Uh, but it's over in Rice Village, so we had a good good dinner and, and hung out, so it was good. Then we watched some Final Four games and get ready for the championship game tonight. Oh, yes. Villanova and Michigan will tip, oh, I don't know, about an hour or so after we are done here on the show tonight. So that should be a fun game, hopefully, uh I don't know. Uh, are you rooting for Big Ten? You being of Big Ten lineage, are you rooting for the Big Ten, or does that matter? Are you like SEC fans, where it's all about the SEC and yeah, nothing else? You know, I, I guess I do. I guess I, I I hate to root against Purdue, but Purdue's out of it, so yeah. I guess I'll root for Michigan. Although my son is in this pool with with uh, my husband and a bunch of a bunch of adults, mm-hmm. and I think he needs Villanova to win, oh, and really? he could win the pot. Oh, then you want Villanova. So I think I want Villanova to win. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I only needed Villanova to win over the weekend or if I'm also re- – I'm sure he'll let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess you, I want – You want to win the I want my kids to win money and teach them all about gambling. That's, that's, <laughs> what, I'm, that's what I'm rooting for. Well, come over to the dark <laughs> side. I know a few people. I know a few people that can uh, can give a nice – well, a nice introduction to it. I was, I was <laughs> intro to it when I was at my other radio station, and wow. I think I was the only one at the radio station that didn't – dabble in the dark arts as i call it all right the dark arts, yeah. a lot of things been going on here in the stadium uh and now as i said to mark on uh friday 
the NFL does a good job of spacing things out. Now, the next thing upcoming is going to be the schedule release, which hopefully is going to be in about a couple of weeks, I would imagine. And then you got the draft shortly after that. So we're in a little bit of a lull in between free agency and the schedule release. And so I thought, ah, oh, this would be a good time to step back and kind of assess what the Texans have done in free agency, what's been going on. Sure. And then look at, play a little game called superlatives. You know, get your yearbook at the end of the year. It's like, most likely to succeed, <laughs> which I always got, which is sort of a curse. Most athletic, most beautiful, funniest. You got you know, most likely to succeed? Every year. That's a good thing, John. Every Harris. year. No, it's a curse. I say that. It's a curse. Oh, is that you, right? You never want the most likely to succeed. What does that mean you're, what, not into all the extracurricular activities you're just a studious yeah, person. Just, you're just the biggest geek of the whole yeah, group, yeah. basically. And they expect you to make you know tons of money and do whatever else. And <laughs> I, I, I do this, which I love. and I'm, I, I think I you're very know, successful. Maybe I've succeeded. So we'll do some superlatives of our own. All right, here we go. Deepy. Yes. Number one, the offensive player you are most excited to see not named Deshaun or DeAndre in 20, 2018. Deontay Foreman. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I feel like we really got a, a really good taste of him in the preseason last year. Yep. We saw a lot of reps. And then it just sort of tapered off when the regular season started. Right. And then just as he was picking up steam in that Arizona mm-hmm. game, goes out with the season-ending injury. And I think that, you know, he's so explosive and so much fun to watch. But I that Achilles injury, you know, while everyone's yeah. saying that he's on track for week one return, I'm going to be really excited to see what he looks like back on the field. Because I feel like, just like everything last year, Everything just – just when somebody got hot or yeah. things started going the Texans' way, bad things happened, right. obviously. So it got cut short. I, I'm excited to see him back on the field. This is going to be an interesting one for me, but I'm going to say – and, yes, I know I know what people are going to say when they hear this. Julian Davenport. Uh-huh. And I say this because – I'm not surprised, actually. I, I, I watched both games. I said this the other day. I was talking to Mark, and I talked about this on uh, – Wednesday as well. I, I watched the last two games of the year when he started at left tackle against the Steelers and the Colts. And and look, I know the, the Colts, but he faced Jabal Sheard, who Sheard has given a lot of these Texans problems over the years, even when he was with the Patriots. He gave Derek Newt some issues. In the first game against the Colts, he gave Chris Clark some issues. And then uh, and he gave Julian some issues in that game. But in the, in the game against the Colts, he was pretty clean. Against the game against the Steelers, he went against P.J. Uh, P.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. And they did a lot of different twists and stunts on him uh, over there with Xavier Sufilo, and he handled it pretty well. And I walked out of, after I watched those two games and went, man, if you watch this line, I said to you, okay, pick out the rookie starting for, I think, the second time. Pick out the rookie starting for the second or third time of his career. You probably would have picked him out because he, I thought he looked pretty solid. So I'm excited to see what he does from a year one to year two jump. That's Maybe he answer. ends up being a left tackle, but I think those are going to be two key players. So. Flip it over to defense. Defensive player you are most excited to see. No limitations in 2018. I know. I'm going to go easy answer and say Tyron Matthew. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to see him. I just feel like the fan base, I mean, the fans are so excited about him. And I feel like a fan in rooting for him. When I found out the Texans were signing yeah. the Honey Badger, I was super excited. Yep. Uh, he's coming off a healthy season. They've always needed safety help back there. I feel like every year when we talk about the draft, Safety is one of the the positions of yeah. need, and I think that they addressed obviously with his signing, and and he can make an instant impact on the field. So I'm I'm really excited to see the Honey Badger. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, there are a lot of players to pick from here. I'll tell you one just to go off the beaten path because I think it's again that year one year two jump that I think could be really impressive. And if he makes that jump, 
at the end of the year, you could argue he was one of the three best defensive players, maybe one of the two best defensive players on the field, and that was Zach Cunningham. Oh, right. I'm really excited yeah. to see what he's able to do now that he's entrenched as a star. There's no question. I think about halfway through the year you felt that, even though you knew Brian Cushing was going to come back at some point, but you felt like they're not taking him out of the lineup. He's getting better and better and better by the week. So I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, Clowney and Watt, Merciless, yeah, we get really excited. But I think Zach Cunningham is a guy that I want to see, I mean, I don't say truly break out because I sort of feel like he did that at the end of the year. But, I mean, really get to a point where he is comfortable in this defense. He knows the terminology. He knows he's playing. He knows what his role is. I think Zach Cunningham could be a really fun piece to watch. I really hope his career tra- trajectory is a lot like Bernardrick McKinney's, yeah. you know, yeah. where he comes in and you don't really know what to expect from him, but he he's a, he's a key contributor right. and then becomes a starter right, right away. And the next thing you know, by his third year, he's like a leader right. on that defense. Exactly. So, and I think I, that's – th- I think I'm you're right. I think that's well. the trajectory that he is on. Okay. Offensive player <laughs> under the most pressure to perform well in 2018. We'll take Deshaun out of there because we all know Deshaun's got, you know, we, he's the quarterback. I mean, there's no question. He's got a lot of pressure. Offensive player under the most pressure to perform well in 2018 is? I'm going to take your answer and say Julian Davenport. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because I think that even if you put Deshaun back into that question, I still would pick Julian because I feel like. He Deshaun is still kind of a rookie. Didn't have, yeah. a, didn't get a full season under his belt. Didn't get a full off season under his belt. And while you know we're so excited to see everything that he has to offer, there's a little bit more forgiveness, I think, for the younger quarterbacks. There's a learning yeah. curve. Sometimes you know you'll even hear the TV announcer say, "Oh well, the receiver, you know, yeah. the receiver's fault," or you know, there was a lot of pressure on that on that play. But I think with Julian Davenport, the left tackle, stepping in there, if 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 Deshaun is not clean, I think a lot of eyes are going to go on him. I think it's a big pressure situation to be left tackle and to be the starting yep. left tackle. I know that we talk about Julian being there. Obviously that can change. That's just that's just going off of what Bill O'Brien said last week at the annual league meeting. Now right. it could change. They could still sign somebody yeah, in no camp doubt. and they could still draft a left tackle early and decide to, to plug and play there. But for now, Julian or whoever is in that left tackle position. Yeah. I'm gonna it, I think it's a great answer because that's what was one of the first ones I thought about. But then I came up with this name and I thought he's First of all, he's got to stay healthy. And second of all, if he's healthy, then I think he has the potential because of his speed to take this offense to a different level. That's Will Fuller, the fifth. Will has got to stay healthy this year. If he yeah, does, that's a big one for him, isn't it? He's such a weapon. This is a big year, I think, for him because first year he showed it early and then got a little dinged up in the middle of the year. And then after he came back, it took him a few more weeks to kind of get back on track. And then he had some good games at the end. And then, of course, remember the Patriots game where he had a deep ball and he could hang on. This year, he starts off the year, 2017, hurt. His first game back against Tennessee is two touchdowns. And then he scored touchdowns every single week. And then he got hurt against the Rams. And it was he was out for weeks. And then he got hurt at the end of the year against the Colts. He's got to stay healthy. And if he does, then he becomes an instant threat. And people ask all the time, how many catches do you think he gets? I don't care because he'll catch 40 balls. 12 of them will be touchdowns. Because that's the type of player. And he stretched everything. So we could much, see what so this much offense fun to could watch. do yeah. when he was healthy. So, to me, I think Will Fuller, maybe not under the most pressure to perform, but I think it's a big year for him because when he performs well, this offense has a whole different layer to it that maybe it's never had. And with that, I think this offense can go to some different different level. All right. Defense. Defensive player under the most pressure to perform well in 2018 is? You know, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know if it's going out on a limb, but 
JJ Watt. I, I just you feel like stole my answer. I know. I just feel like we all know what he can do. We right. all know what he has done. But I feel like with two back to back seasons with season ending injuries, that question is coming up again. Like, is yeah. JJ ever going to be able to play at the same level? And now right. it's you know even more so because second year in a row. Obviously, two completely different injuries. You know, he's he's recovered from the back. Now this is a leg injury, and it was a gruesome injury at that. And he's in the weight room. He looks good. He looks good in his rehab. But I just feel like, you know, he, he needs to return to form or at least stay healthy for a good portion of the season. Otherwise, I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure on J.J. to be J.J. Watt. But yeah, it's exactly. so much better when he's himself. Right. The game, you know, just following this team, reporting on this team, when J.J. Watt is at the peak, it's just so much fun. I mean, Nothing was more fun than 2014. I think when yeah. he was lining he was up, and he, he was unbelievable. And he was he was just as he was good in 2015 as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but I I really want to see him back on the field and healthy. And I'm sure this whole city does too, especially with all the stuff that he does off the field. You want a guy like that to stay in the league as yep. long as possible and stay with your city and stay with your team. Yeah. More importantly, and it's interesting you bring that up. The last time that JJ finished the season walked off the field at the end of the final game was 2014. Because in 2015, he got hurt in that Chiefs game at the third quarter. He went out of the game then. And then 16-17, he's been right. hurt. It's been 2014 since he finished the season. So I'm with you. But to me, but I But also think, no postseason in 2014. So no, true. A little bit shorter of no, a season. No, a little bit shorter of a season uh, from By that one game, but, but still. Right. I think, and I'm not sure who really to put this on, but I just think the cornerbacks in general are the ones that are going to have the most pressure. I do think with Merciless and Watt and Clowney all back, they're going to have a little bit of an advantage because those three pass rushers get to the quarterback. They're going to have more opportunities, et cetera. But still, that was the case in New England. That group didn't rise up and play very well against New England, at least at certain points in that game they didn't. So to me, the the corner, I could almost say secondary, but I think the corners in particular, how that group comes together, who plays outside, who plays inside, I think the corners have got the most uh, – are under the most pressure to perform well in 2018. All right, I think I know the answer number five, but I'll ask anyways. Free agent addition that you're pumped about and why? It's oh, got to be Tyron Now you're going right? to say Tyron Matthew, but can I add a 1B to it? Go ahead. Uh, just based on this podcast that I did last week, the Deep Slant podcast, I had Wade Smith on. Uh, definitely Tyron Matthew, but now I'm very intrigued by uh, Senio Calamete. Yeah. Because – Good one. You know, he is sort of that jack of all trades, utility yeah. knife, sort utility player uh, for the O line, and a Wade, lot like Wade in some sense. A lot it's, like Wade. It's a, it's and, a good. It's a good comparison. Actually. And and he had some really nice things to say about Senio Calamite, and he he seems to think that he's a guy that just didn't get his chance in New Orleans, yeah. but he could come in here and really be a key contributor. So I'm kind of interested to see where he fits in because obviously uh, starting positions on the O line are up for grabs right yeah. now. So I think. Whoever performs is going to get it. It's not. It's not like it's been in years past where you know your left tackle, you know your right tackle, you know your guards. Yep. I mean, it could look completely different. Bill O'Brien even said four new starters at yeah. least. Yeah. At least. Which is crazy to think about. I'm going to say Aaron Colvin. Uh, yeah. That's look, a good one. Tyra Matthew. I, I, Tyra Matthew would be the one. He he's been one of my favorite players to watch. Just one of my favorite people in general. Just knowing his story and how he's gotten to where he is. I I, I think the world of him. But to me, Eric Colvin, because I think Colvin, whether he plays inside or outside, is a big deal for this team the more I think about it. Because if he can lock down an outside position, man, you with with Jonathan Joseph and Kevin Johnson and with Colvin, if Colvin locks down one of those spots and J. Joe doesn't have to play all the time, 
and he can stay healthier. And when he's healthy, he ends up being a factor. He could probably play until he's 80 as long as he's healthy. <laughs> and that's the thing, having to play 70, 75 plays a game is not going to, I don't think, going to suit him. But if he's able to play 40 to 45 plays, Colvin's taking all the reps outside, Kevin Johnson's game rises up, okay, the corners are going to play better, but a lot of hinges on what Aaron can do. There's so much he can do on a field. I'm really excited to see what he brings. So I'm going to say Aaron Colvin. All right, number six, the road game that you, DP City, are most looking forward to in 2018. Yeah, I think we we talked about this on another show a few months back. I'm still going to stick with Philly. Yeah. Never been to that stadium. Mm-hmm. They, they're coming off the Super Bowl championship, and also Carson Wentz will be back in the game. So I think two young quarterbacks, a new city, fans that just, you know, the, the fans are their own storyline. Yeah. Like how they are, so I, I'm excited about that. I probably won't venture out in the city too much, <laughs> or walk around the stands. I'll yeah. stick to the press box in the field. But I'm really excited about that game, and I hope they make it a primetime game. We play the Jets up in MetLife, and I haven't been back to New York City since 2014. And I would imagine we'll go to New York City at some point. That I also weekend. hope that's a primetime game, but a, probably I would less love likely. That to be a we love game. to be in New York for that would an be extra fantastic. day. Okay, home game you're most looking forward to. Uh, Cowboys. Yeah, me too. So a fan just tweeted out a picture of a T-shirt that I want. I want to say it was a he that he had from 2002, the inaugural game against Cowboys. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's so exciting that people are so into this rivalry. I know. And you know, to see two young quarterbacks, two young running backs, and exciting. You know, both teams are really exciting right now. So that's yep. kind of fun. Yep. That both. Teams I think are- that's going to be a primetime game too. You know, I wonder about this because I think, do the networks, I, I, I'm big into conspiracy theories, do they really want it to be a Texas market or do they want to, you know, get like both coasts involved? But if if you didn't have outside two of Texas, do young, people care? If you didn't have two young emerging quarterbacks. This is true. Because I think with Dak Prescott and, Carson, or, and Deshaun Watson, you've got two marquee young quarterbacks. Yeah. I think the NFL wants, the NFL needs to find the next wave. And so Wentz, Watson, Dak, those are all guys I think they're going to put on prime time as much as possible. Yeah, they're going to get Brady, they're going to get Roethlisberger, but they need to get the next wave going. And I think those guys, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think those are going to be guys kind of the next wave. And I think the way Deshaun played as a rookie, the way that Dak played as a rookie, not so great last year, but as the way he plays as a rookie, I think they want the next wave to come forth. And I think that's a matchup to me. That I would love to see in prime time. It would be crazy. I don't that would be nuts. I, don't know I mean, it's it's nuts. Be. It's nuts in preseason. It's, you know, I, likely they'll play. And each it's other game in four. <laughs> it's game four. None of the stars are actually playing. My it's gosh. still exciting. Okay, DP, with the 68th pick in the 2018 NFL draft, the Houston Texans will draft what position? Offensive tackle. That's what I think too. I would say 100, percent but I don't know 100. percent So I'll say 99. percent I mean, I would be, I'd be shocked if they didn't. I'd be shocked. But the, the I, only, I have been shocked before. I agree with you. I do think it's going to be off to tackle. All right, DP, appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, I'll go around the NFL with things that are happening in the league, especially the noise for Odell Beckham Jr. gets louder. Will he become a Los Angeles Ram? We'll discuss that next right here in Texans All Access. What is up, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome back to the show. It's our final segment right here in Texans All Access. My name is John Harrison. You hear that in the background. That is DeAndre Hopkins. Top play of 2017 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I know you've seen that play many, many times. Hey, if you missed Texans 360, you go to the website, HoustonTexans.com, and you can see the film room of DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. This one Drew and I did against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
it's pretty interesting to take a look at these things and watch them from all angles and just see some things that you it, it's it's pretty amazing to watch the things that happen and two of them that I've done two passing touchdowns that I've done one by Deshaun to Ryan Griffin against New England one that I've done with Deshaun to DeAndre against Kansas City Chiefs, it's pretty amazing to see how advanced Deshaun was as a rookie. Pretty incredible uh, to see. Let's bounce around the NFL, but here are some very important things to keep an eye on. I've mentioned April 16th a couple of times. In fact, I've done it today because I was talking about Brandon Whedon. And one of the key things about April 16th is it is the first day of the off season, what the Texans and what the NFL call Phase One will take place April sixteenth. The rest of the off season is as followed, is as follows for your Houston Texans OTA off season workouts, which you've heard Coach O'Brien talk to us about this before. OTAs are basically practice without pads. It's like spring football, but you don't have the opportunity to hit, which I think is good. I, I sort of wish colleges would go to that, but, yeah, look, colleges, 18- to 22-year-old kids. I guess they're still kids when they're in college, right? I can say that. But these are basically the Texans spring practices, if you will, starting in May, May 21st, May 22nd. So here's how it's going to work. Let's put this all together. April 16th, first day, that's off-season conditioning. The 26th, 27th, 28th, the draft – And then May 21st, 22nd is the first full-team off-season workout. So somewhere between the 26th, 27th, 28th of April and May 21st, 22nd, the rookies will be here, I would assume, for a rookie minicamp. Now, there have been times when I don't think the Texans have had a rookie minicamp, but I think that was before the collective bargaining agreement of 2011. I think there's been a rookie minicamp every year since that I can think of. And I know every year since... I've been in the building. There's been a rookie mini camp, so somewhere between there, there'll be a rookie mini camp. Full team workouts start May 21st, the 21st, the 22nd, and the 24th. Then the following week, the 29th, 30th, and 31st of May, and then the following week, the 4th and 5th, and then the 7th and 8th. I don't know if that's all. Is it all in one week? I don't know. I haven't looked that far ahead of my schedule, my planner. I basically looked to April 3rd. That's tomorrow. Then I figure that out. Um, if I get to that point, then I feel like I'm good. Uh, yeah, June 4th and 5th is a Monday, Tuesday, and then the 7th and 8th is a Thursday, Friday. So you are going to have uh, the Texans with those OTA workouts, and then the following week the Texans will have a mandatory mini camp starting June 12th, the 12th, the 13th, and the 14th. Now this has been announced by the NFL. It's up on the NFL.com site for off-season workouts. You can see it for all 32 teams, but it is up. It is not that I've seen. I haven't checked my email. My email is kind of jacked up, but I'd assume that we'll get a notice from the Houston Texans sometime soon about the off-season workout program, but if you had that on your calendar wanting to know when everything happens, first day, phase one, April 16th, draft 26th, 27th, 28th, the mini, rookie mini camp sometime after that, sometime in early May, and then full team off season workouts begin May twenty first. They go for that week, the week of the twenty first, the week of the twenty eighth, the week of the third, and then I'm sorry, the week of the fourth, and then of uh, June, and then the last week 
of the offseason is June 12th, 13th, 14th. That's mandatory minicamp. And then it's off to the Greenbrier in July for year two at the Greenbrier. So there you go. In case you were wondering, those are the off-season workout dates to keep in mind for your Texans. Now, for the Texans, I think, eh, for the most part, everything pretty much set, I guess. Personnel-wise, as they're ready to go, there may be a couple of additions. I looked at the roster. This is probably about two or three weeks ago. I think there are, if you take into account eight draft picks and then some undrafted, I want to say there's 14 spots right now. But I haven't done some recent math to make sure I've got them all included on there. But you're going to go to OTAs with 90 players, and obviously not all of them are going to do work. You know, J.J. Watt's not going to be involved in OTAs, and and Deshaun will be involved in only certain aspects of it. But uh, you will have 90 men with that. And I, I think we're, we're pretty set. I don't know that there's any uh, discussion points. I think last year there was – some discussion about whether Dwayne was going to be there for OTAs. I don't know if there's any of that this offseason. I think you know everybody that's going to be there is going to be there, and away you go. But in a couple other places in the league, there still are some questions. Now, I teased Odell Beckham Jr., and what is following. And, and I follow this story from afar, and I'm fascinated by it, because obviously the Texans will play the Giants this year. The Giants have picked number two. And I saw this tweeted out by somebody. I wish I could give credit, but if this was this to me was the more fascinating aspect of this. When the Giants traded for Alec Ogletree, 26-year-old vet, still young, played a lot of football in the league, but still young, needing a face-of-the-defense sort of player to go with Janoris Jenkins and snacks up front. I felt like the Giants were not in all-in mode, but not in rebuild mode. And then this Odell Beckham Jr. story came up. And obviously the Giants, like I said, are drafting second. And there's been some talk about the Giants saying, look, if you want Odell Beckham Jr., you're going to have to give us two first-round picks. And I thought about that and went, wait a second. Let's say, and there's been a lot of talk about the Rams. The Rams are the 49ers. Now, from... I don't want to say from a desperate standpoint, but I would think the 49ers, even though they've added a couple pieces at receiver, I would think the Rams are like, look, we can go win this thing with Odell Beckham Jr. But the ammunition it's going to take, and plus, I don't know financially how they're all going to do this. But let's just say that the Rams, let's say the Rams or the Niners, are willing to give up a pick. The Rams would have to give up pick number 23. The 49ers, I would assume, would have to give up pick number 9, which would be tough, but you're going to do it, you're going to do it because you're going to have to get Odell Beckham Jr. and the Niners have the cap room to be able to do it. So the Niners would make some more sense, but just hear me out on this. Let's say the Giants sitting at two say, alright, we are going to trade Odell Beckham Jr. We're not going to get two ones, or maybe we're going to get a one this year and a one next year. But let's say they do with the Rams. They get the Rams 23rd pick. They then deal number two to the Bills for the Bills' two first-round picks. The Giants would be sitting at 12, 22, and 23 in the draft. 
Now, kind of similar to the Browns last year, the Browns had three first-round picks, but the Giants could pull it off, and at that point, they probably would be thinking, I would imagine they wouldn't have to draft a quarterback. Now, they could sit there at 12 and take Lamar Jackson, potentially. They could also maybe get him at 22-23, depending on what they're going to do, but they could add three players to that roster. And I'm, I'm convinced last year was an anomaly for them. Now, one of the problems for the Giants, though, was the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. didn't play, and then they had injuries other places. They had no way to generate offense. If they trade out a number two, there's no Saquon Barkley. There's no Quentin Nelson. The offense does not get any infusion, and then you trade Odell Beckham Jr.? <sighs> and then I saw another, and I, I think it was Peter King who tweeted this, and I think this is an even more salient point to make on this. He was around. He was the Giants beat writer for, for a while. Back in the uh, mid to late 80s, in the, in the heyday of the Giants, the Parcells Giants. And he said Wellington Mara was the owner of the Giants, and he put up with a lot with Lawrence Taylor. A lot of the drama that went on with Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence was a headache. Wellington, Mar- Wellington Mara knew it and pledged to deal with it and said, I'm not getting rid of him. Now, obviously, Wellington has passed away, but it's his son, John Mara, who has to deal with that. Peter King's thought was, his son is going to think the same way. He'll put up with the headaches because he knows the results are going to end up being there. And so that's the tough part for the Giants. If you give up Odell Beckham Jr., you really are not going to find another receiver even close to his ilk, not even close in this draft at any of those spots. You do have Sterling Shepard coming back. I believe you still have Brandon Marshall on the roster, but not going to be the same in the slightest. And then there's Rob Gronkowski. And I've seen both ends of this spectrum over the weekend. I saw Greg Bedard's article uh, for his Boston Sports Journal saying, do not be surprised that Gronkowski is traded. A source apparently close to Belichick told him that. Then I saw that, yeah, Gronk's probably coming back in 2018. But then as I read that article more, I thought, wait a second, they didn't say to the Patriots. And apparently Gronk has just gotten a little tired of being in New England. And in that style, he wants to open up and be free a little bit more. Apparently, who knows what the true story is. But Rob Gronkowski, and I know a lot of people are like, hey, the Texans need a tight end. And the Texans don't have a, have a lot of draft ammunition. And my gut tells me that, yes, Belichick has made some trades in the, in the past few years. He traded Chandler Jones where? Arizona. He traded Jamie Collins to Cleveland. He traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers. None of those players were going to come back to really haunt the Patriots. There'd be no way he'd trade him to the the Texans. No way. Because that could come back to haunt him down the road as they met in the playoffs. And then Gronk's on this side and obviously not the other. Big thanks to DP Sitter for stopping by, but mostly to you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.